0: Welcome to One More Time, a Wind Band podcast. I'm Caitlin Nelson, and today we're going to be talking with three different directors of different levels, following them on their concert cycle and what they think about in regards to their repertoire selection, concepts they want their students to grasp, as well as other topics they find important throughout the cycle. Today's story was produced by Caitlin Nelson. Hi, this is Daniel Dresser from the Sousa Archives with Scott Schwartz today. Scott, today we're going to talk about a little a little bit about Sousa's career as a whole, and I really just want to start with how it all began.
1: Well, it actually began with his mother and father at least 9 months before he was born. But well, you know, but that's an earlier story, so we should probably <laughs> start just a, a tad later. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, yeah we think of John Philip Sousa as the perfect student musician who practiced hard, um, studied, um, and just, you know, he was the parent's dream. Well, the reality is, well, the, not quite. Well, Sousa had a love for baseball, and quite frankly, if it game a baseball, came up, then maybe the practicing would tend to fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, he did study um, privately um, with a teacher not too far from his home, and if you know, as we move along in this conversation, I can actually remember the name. Um, but essentially, you know, his father played trombone, um, and um, the musicians of the U.S. Marine Band that his father belonged to. His father had to be a trombonist. Um, essentially um, became his principal teacher on many of the instruments. So think of it as an apprentice model. Um, while he went to school to study privately, um, his early career was as all journeyman. He started as an apprentice um, and when you develop enough skill and knowledge he moved to journeyman status eventually trades. Um So that was not an uncommon um, model for musicians to um, move through to uh, become professional musicians. Um, I think he found music came to him easily. And um, it was something that he did well enough that people took notice. Of not only the, the musicians, but I suspect some of the pretty girls that he was often very bashful about, but seemed to take an interest in him. So as a young man, you know, just growing up surrounded by it um, in terms of the work he did as an apprentice musician, I'm um, with the Marine Band, and with his father um, and mother, although we, we don't know an awful lot about her the music portion, although I suspect she also um, So his early career started out as many musicians, studying privately and um, playing, performing in an ensembles and growing for those. That's kind of how he got started. Quite frankly, probably not terribly different from the way you started, although you Played in a school band, who probably started your instrument. I, I would hope in the fourth grade or at least by the sixth grade. Yeah, yeah. and um, and eventually went through it. You um, know, in, in a public school model. Um, in some respects, we could think of that as a apprenticeship-like model. But Susan never had that. Schools didn't provide. He that other, other ways. So that's how he got started as a young a uh, boy growing up.
0: Would you say that when he was director of the Marine Band, that's when his career really took off? Or would you say it was something before or after that?
1: Um, well, he starts in the Marine Band in 1880. He had a career um, as a a theater composer, director um, in Philadelphia, um, and um, I think you know he was gaining um, some reputation as um, as a composer of theatrical works. Of course, basically um, taking Gilbert and Sullivan stuff and technically um, using it without. You know, Sullivan's permission, but nevertheless when um, Sullivan did come to the United States to raise some hell about Americans, um, incompetent American musicians performing these great works, is he was impressed by Sousa's interpretation and in arrangement of his works. So much so that Sullivan and Sousa began to develop a, a collegial relationship of working together on certain things. So did Sousa's career, you know, start at the beginning of the Marine Band? No, I would say he had already established himself as a, a fine developing musician was going on um, the Marine Band in eighteen. 18- Adia had a, a director who was problematic, he wasn't cutting it. And funny part is, it was the director um, that actually, when Sousa wrote his first published march, the review for the change of um, command of the Marine Band, when he is essentially an apprentice musician, and that director basically said he was very unhappy with that march and the band would never play it again. asked who the composer was. Sousa was not so happy about that. I can imagine that. And to be asked to return after several years to direct the band and to replace the director that said they would never play another Sousa March turns it around. You have to realize the Marine Band in 1880 was um, didn't function as a well-oiled machine. Um, and I think that's an important part. Today, when we hear the we hear the president's own, it's an extraordinary ex- ensemble, well rehearsed, well practiced, and um, in the early years of the Marine Band, that was not the case. Some of the musicians' abilities on their instruments I guess some would say would be a And he knew that there could be so much more. um, And he did not want the Marine Band to be solely the band to play for regimental drill, building dedication. He was looking for something much grander in the style of Patrick Gilmore. Gilmore's band and orchestra initiatives were extraordinary. So he pushed the Marine Band in new directions, refining the music they played, um, requiring musicians to rehearse and practice and be able to play the music, beginning to make the, the ensemble work as a military um, with, with that, he, he's beginning to shape the whole um, concept of band performance um, in the same way that Patrick Gilmore's orchestra and awesome so in some respects we we're seeing this kind of refining he's he's getting better at writing um the marine band um, well the marines and the one that they always play is a Sousa march which was originally written to replace um the the piece of music that is always played when the president comes into a space it was largely written because the president hated that particular (laughs) piece. Um, And Sousa wrote what we now know as the uh, Marine theme song, um, figuring that would be a good replacement. Of course, the president had said it was not in character for his, what he felt should be played. So the Marines got it. By the time, um, about 1890, he is interested in doing tours with the Marine Band. Well, you're the president's band. You're supposed to be in town. Technically, you can't be any further than half a day's ride from D.C. Well, that doesn't exactly give you a great touring window to work with it. And I think, as I've said in past interviews, you know, Sousa wanted more than to be just the. Um, the director of the band, he wanted the band to be essentially kind of an anchor um, and um, and his reputation to grow with that ensemble and their integral playing.
0: That's pretty much all I have. All
1: right, well, it's been good talking to you, Daniel. Um, always glad to have you or our audience come and visit us. We can you know, pull all kinds of stuff out for people to look at, play. And our track today has been, you know, Sousa's career. But, you know, there are many musicians who played in the band records we document. So uh, a lot of different perspectives. So I hope people will come to the Sousa archives, what I like to call the crypt for all of Sousa's <laughs> stuff, and, and check out Engage. with. Them. Thanks for having me.
0: For this edition of Two Minute Rehearsal Techniques, we have Dr. Wendy Matthews from Kent State University, where she is the Associate Professor of Music Education. Along with being Associate Professor, she conducts a concert band there. Her research of oral histories of the first women brass players in professional orchestras and military bands, self-regulation and motivation in group dynamics in large ensembles, and other various topics in music teacher education can be found in journals such as Journal of Research in Music Education, Journal of Band Research, college music symposium, and many more.
2: Today, I would like to talk about designing assessment for the large ensemble setting. Directors spend much of their time in assessment. We assess intonation, phrasing, tone production, and musicality, to name a few. We use this information to plan for instruction, choose a course of action, both in the moment and over time, and to evaluate students' knowledge and learning. However, there are barriers to effective assessment in the large ensemble such as balancing time between assessment and preparing for upcoming concerts. Nonetheless, assessment can be an effective tool to provide feedback to students and guide instruction. To design good assessment in the large ensemble, we need to think of three things. What, when, and how. First, start with what you want to assess. Specifically, what do you want students to learn or what does your national, state, or district standards outline? These are your objectives and they should be specific, measurable, achievable, and relevant to what you are doing in the ensemble rehearsal. Next, decide when you will do assessment. You don't need to assess all the students at once. One strategy is to use popsicle sticks with students' names written on them. You can randomly grab five popsicle sticks and assess those students. Then the next day, assess five more students. Also, you can assess a section at a time. For example, while you are working with the clarinets, have the low brass fill out a short exit slip defining musical terms or labeling rhythms. How refers to designing or choosing assessment. Your assessment should match the knowledge or skill outlined in the objective. For example, if you are focused on students responding to music, students can construct a short response, essay, improvise, or compose. Other examples are checklists or rubrics which can assess tone or rhythmic accuracy. You can also have students set goals for home practice by identifying sections that need refinement and having them create and assess their own strategies. Technology can also support your assessments. Using software such as smart music can give students immediate feedback and allow them to refine their skills through repetition. Remember, assessment provides feedback to students that they are growing as musicians and that they possess the skills and knowledge to develop musically throughout their lives.
0: For this month's episode, I interviewed three different directors from different age groups to discuss with them about their concert cycles. I talked with Chip Stefano, who currently teaches middle school band at McCracken Middle School in Skokie, Illinois, Cheryl Lee, who currently teaches high school band at Blue Valley West High School in Overland Park, Kansas, and Dr. Elizabeth Peterson, who is currently the Associate Director of Bands at the University of Illinois and conducts the Illinois Wind Orchestra. In this first part, I talked with each director at the beginning of their concert cycle. You will hear them talk about what pieces they're playing, what they look for and what and think about when they're selecting repertoire, first rehearsal plans, some of the things they are looking forward to in this cycle, some thoughts on programming diverse composers, and advice for future and young educators regarding repertoire and running their first rehearsal in a cycle.
3: I think a lot of it has to do with the time of year that we're programming. So at the beginning of the year, I really focus in on the weaknesses of the ensemble and trying, how am I going to make those weaknesses better? And what that might mean is if I if I have an experienced section leader, um, I try to make sure that they get a solo somewhere at that first concert. If I have a section that I know is less experienced and maybe weaker than some of the other sections in the band, they get featured in some way, even if it's not necessarily a full piece. There's here's eight measures where the spotlight's on them, um, which really puts the pressure on them to kind of step it up and get better. And it puts the pressure on me to not forget about them in those early rehearsals, especially when, when we're developing developing the skills. Um, and then in the spring, I'm focusing more on our strengths. Um, and part of that is just, it's probably, to be honest, it's just contest season. And really trying to show off our strengths, and, 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 and if I've done it right, then the first half of the year I've kind of brought up some of the weaker sections of the band. Um, and it just kind of seems to be a nice balance throughout the year. Um, I don't necessarily go into selecting a piece, particularly with our top ensemble saying, hey, I need to make sure I teach 6-8, or I need to make sure I I teach cut time, or or I don't select pieces to work on specific concepts, Um, although I do try to be conscientious and think globally when I'm looking at the program, and and I will think to myself, hey, we haven't played in 6-8 in a long time, we should probably find something that works. Um, it's a little bit different with the younger groups, with with our beginners and our, our second-year players, really trying to make sure that we're hitting different time signatures, different key centers, and some other aspects of playing to make sure that the education things that I want to make sure that I hit with those kids that we're hitting, um, but not so much with the older kids. I, I completely sold this from Doug At, but I kind of think of the piece in two different ways of difficulty. There's the technical difficulty and the musical difficulty. Um, And I think generally speaking, a piece is worthy of our students' time and worthy of our time to prepare that piece if the musical difficulty meets or exceeds that technical difficulty. Um, And I think we all know those pieces that might be technically a grade five and super flashy, but musically are kind of a grade two um, and really kind of maybe shallow. Um, But we also hopefully know some pieces that uh, technically are like a grade two but musically, are grade five or six that you know you could put in front of your fifth grade band. You can put in front of your top band. You can put in front of your high school band. And maybe even some college ensembles could play because it's that good of a piece, even though it might not technically be that difficult. So the the cycle the cycle that we're on now is we're performing we're performing uh, Coast Guard's March um, by Carl King arranged by James Swearingen. Um, we're performing Simple Gifts by Frank To Kelly. Um, and we have already performed the first two movements and we, we just started, um, last week after our IMEA performance, um, the second, the second two movements, the third movement and the fourth movement. Um, and then I'm still not hundred percent sure what that third piece is going to be. We're still reading some things. Um, and I have to kind of decide what else we're going to do, especially since I knew, um, for the March and those first two movements of the, the Cali, um, we're going to be on our Midwest application. We spent a lot of time way under tempo, especially at the beginning, um, and and playing things um, at half tempo and really trying to isolate style and technique and um, really trying to get it to sound exactly the way we want it to sound, just slower. Um, and we spent a, actually a lot, maybe even too much, the cycle working on that and then starting to gradually speed it up as we got closer to performance that we needed to get get there for that um and that's pretty similar to what we did with the approach of the last two movements up to kelly um in fact we're still so we're still pretty under tempo the uh the second movement is at half note equals the 80 is where it's marked and we've been rehearsing it at uh, half note equals 60 and really just trying to get everything to sound exactly way we want it to sound and and, and focus it in on that way um, i don't know if i necessarily approach those first rehearsals that much different than I approach the later rehearsals. I just try to make it better. And I it really kind of, my approach has always been to have a really strong sense of urgency in every rehearsal, which means, hey, the concert's tomorrow. So what's the biggest thing we can fix to make that better? Um, and then the next day, it's kind of the same thing. What's the biggest thing we can fix in order to make that better? Um, and I'm sure a sense of that, and just kind of coming out naturally is the whole macro, micro, macro. Um, because a lot of times early on, the biggest thing you can do to make a piece better just as a whole is something that's kind of overlying, like something that they're doing a lot and it's really kind of a macro type type approach. And then as you fix some of those issues, the problems get smaller. They deal with fewer kids and that type of thing. So I, I think that macro versus micro is a nice way to say it. I don't necessarily think of it that way is that just ends up being a byproduct of the way I approach those rehearsals. Um, so I think I'm most looking forward to, to this, this concert cycle is, is oh the, first of all, the, 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 the Kelly is just gorgeous. And there's it, a lot of opportunities to make some really neat musical decisions in that piece, um, and different types of musical decisions. Some, some that just end up being just, being just absolutely gorgeous move, moments, um, and then also some really exciting, mus- you know, moments, especially in that second movement and, and, and fun musical decisions through there. So I just think that music's fun and the kids, the kids do enjoy it and, and we like making it. I'm not picking the piece if I don't love it. And, it. and so if I wasn't looking forward to performing a piece, I don't do we want to program it. I, yeah, I would change. And I'm, I'm I'm one of the guy I'm the type of guy we change music all the time. You know, we're we're not we're not doing three pieces from the beginning of the year to our our winter concert. Um, we're, you know, we did six different pieces at our fall concert, and then after that fall concert, we completely changed programs and we did the different different pieces for the winter concert. And then if we didn't have that IMEA performance, we'd do completely new stuff for district contests. And then after district contest, we change again. And and it's just I think getting the kids in front of as much different music as possible not only helps their growth. You know, musically, it also helps your growth. Technically, um, it keeps things way more interesting. Um, interesting for me, because I get bored if we're on the same piece for too long, and certainly more interesting for the kids. But they also think it's kind of a good stress, and it keeps the kids motivated. It keeps the kids, you know, coming to rehearsal with a sense of urgency. Um, and since I like to think I pick good music, you know, it's worth it, and it's worth the time, and it's worth the demands that we put on our students to, to learn that quickly kind of like them all, and again, I wouldn't I would not not like them. Uh, Coaster Guard's march was not a march that I was real familiar with. I knew I wanted to do a Carl King march, um, and I think I listened to virtually all of them um, before deciding on this one, and what sold it was, uh, there was a performance of it by Berkner High School that they played it at Midwest, um, and it was just so fascinating and interesting the way they played it and the changes that they made to the march, and So that's the performance we're trying to emulate. And then Simple Gifts, I have always loved. That's always been one of my favorite pieces. And it just seemed to really fit this group. And when I handed it out, it certainly really fit that group. Um, And then, you know, I'm not quite sure what else we're gonna play. We've We've been spending some time on a piece called Sweet and Greek Love Songs by Hank Von Linschuten. It works really nice as a closer. So I know we're gonna do the last movement. We might pair it with another movement. I think we can get that learned in three weeks. Find out. Well, I think there's been. I've actually have been thinking about this as kind of a, a topic that comes up a lot, um, especially nowadays. And I have been thinking about it a lot. And my my feeling is that the music we select and the composer we the composers that we put in front of our kids it should be representative of the members of our groups. And I, I think I think that's a reasonable expectation. Um, I also think that in terms of the guests we bring in to to have work with our kids. Um, And I think it's necessary to be conscientious of that fact when you're programming. One of the things, and that's not always easy necessarily, I would never, I don't think I would judge any program or any director on a single program by looking at at that single program and thinking, and I would just want to, I just want to do it. Um, but at, at when, I, when I look at the way I when I'm reflective about my own programming. I'm really trying to get the overall pictures. Like what have my kids experienced this year um, or over the last 12 months? And that goes more than just the diversity of composers. That's everything. It's the, the, the types of music that they play and the styles of music that they play and the keys that they play and making sure that they, they are experiencing as much as I can possibly give them to experience, um, and there, are, especially nowadays, there's just so many resources in terms of finding um, underrepresented composers, with especially the, the diversity database. My favorite, my favorite site is Windrep.org, which is just a, a database of, of all band music, um, but everything's broken down into those subcategories. So if you're if you're looking for a piece written in the 1900s, you can find it, or if you Looking for even a composer? If you're looking for a anniversary date, you can find it off that website. The way it's just kind of broken down is really really cool. Um, but there there's different. Every composer is broken down by nationality. Every composer is broken down by style. Everybody every composer is broken down, um, and so you can kind of find what you're looking for in that areas. And and then there's links to the pieces and all that good stuff, which is pretty awesome. So I do think it's important and especially more recently I've tried to be way more conscientious about it and hopefully I'm successful and if I'm not, i try to change it. So I don't know. I think hopefully they have heard through their education that that the choosing of that music is the most important thing that they do. It's what we teach our kids and it's 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 the music that we select as our curriculum curriculum. Um, And Fred Fennell said in an instrumentalist article is that the music we choose today affects our students forever. And I think that's really true. And we need to treat it with that seriousness. You just can't just like throw anything in front of them. It really needs to be thoughtful in terms of what you do. Um, And I think also is you can't be afraid to change music if it doesn't meet the expectations. You think it's going to be a great piece. And then after a couple weeks in, you're like, this really isn't what I thought it was going to be for the kids. It really wasn't what I thought it was, I was gonna be able to teach with it, then change it. Don't just, you don't have to stick it out just because you've spent two weeks on it. Um, there's usually probably plenty of time to learn a new piece of music. But it's just, it's, it's the most important decisions and there are pr- plenty of resources out there to get to get help finding quality literature um, and plenty of recommended lists uh, for young bands. My favorite list is the Doug key list, which you can find on the Arizona Bandmasters website to just at least get a start. So you know you're, you're picking from a pool of music that someone has deemed of, of quality. Um, and then from there, just listening to as much music as you can and you'll find things if you're, if you're listening and going to concerts and going to contests and seeing what other people are playing, you'll find things that, that, that will work for your band and are of high quality.
4: Uh, my wind ensemble is performing Rippling Watercolors by Brian Balmage's, uh Music for Prague by Karel Husa, and Honey Boys on Parade by Well, um, I always try and select something that will challenge them um, expressively and technically, um, but then I also want a piece in every cycle that is very achievable and we can work on other things like i can let some students lead rehearsal or you know we can really dive into the expressive elements when they're not having to worry about the technical elements as much uh number one is craftsmanship uh is the piece crafted um in a manner that You know, offers them a lot, whether that be a connection outside the band room or um, just an opportunity for me to teach them about different compositional techniques. For example, in the Husa, um, the third movement, I've been able to talk to them about serialism and just the idea of there being other ways to compose music. So I would say uh, that craftsmanship is. Definitely the number one thing, but then the intent of the composer, um, which kind of ties in with craftsmanship. Does it offer my students a technical and expressive challenge? Will they love performing it? Will the audience grow from hearing it? Um, and then, you know, wanting to offer them a variety as well, just something they've never played before. At the end of the year, once seniors have graduated, Uh, we spend the last, we usually have a week or two of class after that. And our concerts are over. Um, and anyone that won't be in the ensemble next year because they're graduating is gone. So I use that as an opportunity to pass out a lot of music. Um, and most of it is music I'm potentially looking at the next year and they get a chance to live with it for a few rehearsals and, um, listen to it on their own. And then at the end of the year, one of the last things they do is vote on works that they would like to play. Uh, well, when I choose something like the HUSA, which I do for two cycles, usually the two spring cycles, I choose like a, a large-scale work that I know will be really challenging for them. And for those particular works, I always want to try and read through most of it the first rehearsal. That's for my benefit and theirs. So they kind of have an idea, the challenges that are going to be in the music. And I have an idea, you know, I always, you know, once you have your experience, you can kind of look at a score and be like, okay, this will be difficult for the ensemble or, you know, my saxophone section is young this year. So they might find particular challenge in this, but really until you read through it, sometimes they do pretty well with stuff that you may have anticipated Um, they'd have issues with. And then, you know, something like the fourth movement of the HUSA, which when you look at the score does not look terribly intimidating, but it just is um, to play. So I like to kind of know where everything's at and let them know where everything's at um, from the first rehearsal. Otherwise, the first rehearsal is all about getting them excited to perform the music. Pretty much all of the Husa, but that's, that is adult music that um, my high school students are tackling. Um, And so all those compositional techniques that HUSA used and just the, that piece is a master, masterwork um, in the way it was put together, the scope of the piece as a whole. So there's been a lot to teach there. Um, And because the music is pretty sophisticated, um, in the second and third movement using um, serial composition techniques which aren't necessarily approachable for high school musicians. Um, I've had to bridge that gap, which has been, and then rippling watercolors they're actually doing without a conductor. and that's been pretty challenging in getting a class of forty seven students to um, collaborate together and you know, they all want to prove that they know something. Um, and so, getting them to select a different leader every rehearsal and then just let that leader take on the rehearsal um, and not have a need to say comment on everything uh, that's a skill that young people need these days and don't even realize they do. Um, But a lot of times the challenges are technical and that's making sure they understand how to approach things in their personal practice. I get to conduct music for Prague, which for a conductor of any level, whether that be high school or college, that's kind of a that's like our Super Bowl or something that I'm looking forward to. And I think that they'll have a successful performance of it. And that's very gratifying. That's very gratifying to say. But also watching them play without a conductor, actually, like getting to stand to the side um, and watch them play together, move together, breathe together. Um, I'm very excited about that as well. The HUSA. I know I haven't shut up about it. Um, The reason why is um, it's just really forced me to grow a lot. Um, You know, I've been teaching 15 years and I don't know if I've ever had to know a score this well um, in order for the ensemble to be successful. Uh, I enjoy that part of it, but I don't really program bad rep. So if I wouldn't want to play it, I don't program it. Um, so I'm excited about, I could say either the other two pieces were playing in this cycle and I wouldn't be lying. So they're all my favorite. <laughs> My classes are diverse. Um, I have ninth through 12th grade. I have all forms of gender, religion. Um, We have a very diverse group. And so I think it's essential to program diverse composers. Um, I attempt to program a female minority up-and-coming composer every year. Uh, This year, we're doing Julie Giroux's Bookmarks from Japan. Uh, for the wind ensemble my concert band is playing a piece by carol Britton chambers um, and then last year we did a world premiere of a piece um, that was composed by an alumni from our school his name's Troy armstrong um, and he got his composition degree from university of texas at, in austin and he's Really young, he's only twenty-five years old. Um, but he's writing wonderful music, and so we try and program music like that every single year. First of all, no matter what rep you choose, I can't emphasize how important it is to be prepared for that rehearsal. For me, I I want them to leave the excited for the performance, even though it may be a couple months away. Um, I think ideally they walk out of the band room like just revved up to perform this new music that they didn't know existed and you know they know it's going to be a good experience and that it'll be a growing experience so preparing for rehearsal is what allows you to actually convey that and help them get through whether you're reading through a movement or you're reading you're reading through the whole piece or maybe your goal is just to get you know top to letter b or whatever Um, But you need to be prepared to help them get through that to a point where they leave the first rehearsal, A, knowing the music is possible, knowing that they'll be able to achieve it, um, and B, being excited to play it. So that's the first thing. Um, When it comes to programming, I have a formula that I use. Uh, It's going to sound really weird, but it's super easy to remember because it's weird. Um, I try and program something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue um, for every concert cycle. And what I mean by that is something old would be like a classic uh, band piece, like a whole suite, or maybe an Alfred Reed, like festival prelude, or Um, you know, a piece of music that's been in the repertoire for a long time. For example, our concert band's doing three years from Gloucester, and by now I consider that. Um, Something new would be something that's composed in the last five years. For us, that's rippling watercolors. Uh, Something borrowed is the transcription. So Honey Boys on Parade is is kind of a transcription. Um, And typically, that's the hardest one box for me to check sometimes. Um, and then something blue is something that the uh, something that's for the audience, and for us, Honey Boys on Parade serves that purpose. Um, something that's really enjoyable to listen to, and that won't always be a march. Um, you know, sometimes our blue is um, last year. One of our programs had the Granger Molly on the Shore. Um, even though that's old, that would check the something old box. It also checks the something blue box because it's just enjoyable to listen to. So that's the formula I use. I make sure I can check all four of those boxes in
5: every program. Uh, so this concert will happen at the end of February and we had about 10 to 12 rehearsals in, before we perform it. Um, it's a full concert. And I always think about how many rehearsals I'm going to have, um, mm-hmm. and when I say 10 to 12, we, we have 12, but one of them is sight reading and then we had a day off for the IMEA conference. and so. Um, uh, I, I sort of take all that into account but we're opening with a piece called Imagine If You Will by Timothy Marr, and um, everything that follows that opener is is kind of like imagine if you will dot 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 seeds of glass um, old wine and new bottles those are the names of the pieces we're doing Dragon Rhyme by Chen Yi um, and uh, Parasketchers by Martin Ellerby Uh, And then we're going to close with Pathfinder of Panama by Sousa. So my idea is that, you know, the the concert theme, if you will, is Imagine. Um, And the piece by Marr has several different styles in it, Um, kind of one is a groove, one is this open sort of lyrical, thin textured woodwind thing. Um, And then Old Wine and New Bottles is a chamber piece for 13 players and the piece Seeds of Glass by Ben Taylor uses video so they're they're performing but the video is kind of linked to the sounds that they're making so um and um uh, Chinese Dragon Rhyme uh Jason our grad conductor is going to conduct um it's a fairly contemporary sounding piece with some dissonances so lots of different things that that pull the piece together or pull the concert together through that theme. I find programming for wind orchestra is a bit challenging because it's the second band, so there are people in the group who are non-music majors, who are very fine players and very interested in music and continuing with music making. Um, some of them may not have the amount of time to practice or take lessons that our graduate students are doing, and there are graduate students in wind orchestra too. So there's a, a wide variety of of interests and abilities, I think an amount of time that someone can spend preparing. So. I, I take that into consideration as I uh, put together a program. Um, and I, I want a couple things to happen. Um, I want the every section to have something fun and interesting to do to be challenged. I would like every player to feel like when they leave that rehearsal or that concert cycle, they've gotten to be a better individual musician through something we've done in band. Um, so I, I feel like I've got to challenge lots of different abilities and lots of different interests um and i also feel like it's my job to prepare every member of that group to possibly audition and make wind symphony or symphony orchestra you know the next level up of of ensembles so um i need to figure out ways to challenge them in those rehearsals as well musically i try to think about well what are my favorite pieces that i think everybody would consider quality i mean if you take a work by beethoven you might like it you might not like it but there are aspects of his writing that make him a master composer, right? So what, what are those aspects? So for me, a lot of times it's, it's form, interesting colors, um, interesting texture, uh, rhythmic, uh, something that might be rhythmically um, interesting or driving, or um, maybe rhythm isn't a, a part of the elements of music that would play in a piece, for example, but um, maybe it's a really um, lovely melody. Frank De Kelly once said, and, and Mozart actually says this too, but Frank De Kelly said that when he writes a piece of music, there has to be enough material that is similar to each other that it gives it continuity, but not so much the same that it becomes trite and boring. So I think that's what I'm looking for. One one thing that I'll do too is when I'm listening to music is I'll 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 put something on that I that, that I don't know or that I'm trying to learn a new piece. I'll I'll listen to the piece and I'll if I find myself getting distracted to do something else, then it's not a piece I'm probably going to program because it means it just didn't capture my interest. But if I'm listening and I'm, oh my gosh, what is that? And I want to see the score and who's doing that? You know, I, I'll get excited for what I'm hearing and I want to see how it's written or um, you know learn about the piece more. Then I feel like there's something compelling about that piece that makes me feel like it's a piece of merit that I I want to program. You know, if someone says to me we really like to do this piece, I certainly would listen to them and look into it. Um, I think at the college level, students don't really necessarily feel like they are going to have that input. I, I, you know, because the music I select is definitely our curriculum and it takes a lot of thinking and a huge, you know, it's a big long process, and I'll spend a lot of time in the summer trying to figure out how to program for the concerts. This is a, a new group from last semester, but a lot of people are already in when, you know, some of the people are the same. So I'm assuming because it's second semester, people have had a semester of lessons if they're new to the university. Um, They've played, many of them have played together now. So I feel like we can maybe the second semester start to do music that's a little more difficult than first semester. One of the things I think about when I'm programming for first semester is that I have a lot of freshmen coming in, and I want the music they play to be different from what they played in high school. But that's also hard because there are some really fine high schools in Illinois. So some kids are coming in and have already played some of the music we're going to do. And I think the thing that I try to make clear to them right from the start is when you maybe did this in high school, you spent three months, two months learning it, you're gonna spend six weeks learning it here and then we're gonna perform it. So this, the, the, the learning curve is faster. One way to give them input that I think is valuable, and I've done this in the past here, where I've, I've maybe said, uh, you know, we have these two slow pieces Um, and we read through both of them and then I'll ask them to pick one. So I'm fully prepared to do either one and I let them pick, but I know that this is the lyrical piece we need to do on a concert. Last year we did that with American Elegy um, to Kelly's piece. I, I realized that the day of that concert was the 19th anniversary of the shooting at Columbine High School. And so I asked the students, the, I was going to do a slow piece by John Mackey, and I, and I had pulled American Algae too. And I said, you know, let's take a vote. And then so they picked American Um And there were some people who didn't, but the Democratic vote, the majority of the people picked American Algae. So in that sense, I let people pick. But generally, I've sort of sculpted the curricular structure of what we're going to play. I want to try to get through all of the music in a sight reading if possible. I want to highlight the main themes or the, um, a a little, I I try to share a little bit of the information about the piece, but I want to play. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about the music. I want to get right in and play the music. Um, I want to develop some sense of tone, color, and sound in that first rehearsal. So, um, you know, the first week I might do a chorale of some sort and then I sort of we don't. We. I use the music more to that we're performing to, to work on sound concepts. I think it's really important that I know the music as well as I can. I think in any in any situation, the conductor needs to go to that first rehearsal prepared as if it's the concert for the conductor, knowing that the students are often sight reading or maybe only had it for a day, the music for a day, and are are coming at it um, without a ton of experience in that music. So their abilities or struggles work on the conductor the conductor works on them and then it becomes that process of getting ready i, I also like to go to that I and mean, i'm excited for that first rehearsal i'm excited to to you know here's the new music we're going to play and i think everybody's excited to learn what that is and sometimes they like it sometimes they don't or they like some of it and they don't and then. It's lovely because there's a concert we perform and we get to do new music, so it's a wonderful cycle. The old wine and new bottles, the Gordon Jacob piece, is difficult because it's 13 players and I think some of those people have never really or have rarely been in a chamber group where they are one on a part. They're the only one there and, and they're not always playing with nine other people in their section or five other people. And in this particular piece you have to really count carefully because you're the second oboe is going to come in at a time where maybe you're not thinking, it's it, it, so, so it's, it's having that confidence as a, a solo player. Um, but again, I think that's really important cause I'm preparing those people to, as leaders in this group to be the next group who are going to go play in one of the top ensembles. So they need to have that confidence. There are, there are, there are places here and there in each piece that are challenging, um, sometimes i'm surprised at what challenges folks and then what i think might challenge them is really easy for them we're working right now on just you know on, uh, for example in the souza not crunching rhythms and and um, not rushing um in the the pair of sketches by ellerby phrase structure he's an english composer and he's a living english composer but his phrase structure is different than what some people have, have are accustomed to um, and he, he writes in some sevenths, and 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 so that just hearing that in intonation is is challenging. So we're starting to gel as an ensemble, but um, but it, I think I think they'll be they'll be great. Um, the dragon wine piece that that Jason is doing with the students is hard. It's like I said, it's very dissonant and um, colorful, and so different from other things that they've probably played. before. I think probably my f- favorite. I don't know. I mean, I like all of it. And I like parts of all of the pieces. I don't know that I necessarily would have a favorite piece. I like parts of Paris sketches very much. And I, I think maybe that's because for me, that's like the work piece. Like when I program a concert, there's there's all the pieces. But there's one piece It's a four-movement piece. So to me, that's like the bulk of what we're working on, that big multi-movement piece that we will play at the end of the concert, right, right before the Sousa. I'm enjoying the Seeds of Glass by Taylor. Uh, it's a challenge because of the video and the timing of what we're conducting, what I'm conducting and they're playing in the video. But I don't know that that's the the, the challenge in that piece is sticking to the video. And I like the Mar a lot. That was a new piece that I had just, just heard. So I really enjoy his writing and that piece. So I don't know if I could pick a favorite. There's so, there's parts about each piece I like a lot. I think it's important because uh, I think we need to be intentional about what, what we're programming. We need to give every Person a voice. Um, I think because I have a lot of music education majors in my ensemble, I'm also modeling for them what I hope they'll do when they go out to program. And we need to make sure that we are are performing works by persons of color, by women, um, uh, by minority composers. Um, and I, you know, that that really came to light for me at the CBDNA conference two years ago. Um, and and It was really lovely that a lot of the white male composers were on the same bandwagon of, we need to do better at uh, programming more diversity. So I've tried really hard to have at least um, one or two persons of diversity in each um, semester, um, maybe on each concert. I also believe that it's important to find works that fit with the rest of the music, so I, 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 I try not to force it but I do think it's really important to try really hard to have have works by, by minority composers on every concert if possible. I think it's really important to determine the level of the ensemble before you start teaching it and sometimes you're told things that aren't true or the perceptions of the people who are telling you are different than the reality. So number one, know, the, know your ensemble really well, and, and like, how do you do that when you haven't heard them before? So if you can hear recordings, if you can go to rehearsals bef- you know, before you take the job, that's great. I would have then a variety, though, of levels of music in their folders to sight read right away. There is no reason a public school educator has to pick the music for their concert the first day of school. You know, often the concerts are in October or November or even December, so you could have four weeks of sight reading lots of different music um, before you go into that, uh, decide what three pieces you're going to program. If you're told your group is a grade four group, then you need to have a grade three or a grade two piece on that concert, especially as you're learning who they are, because they need to feel that success of doing really well in a grade two piece um, so that the grade four piece, which might be a little bit of a challenge. Um, they, they know they have something that it, that they're really good at too. Um, when you sight read with the group, there should be something that the kids can play right away. That they and then you just add music to it because the stuff they can't play right away, you're gonna add the music later, which is unfortunate. You wanna try to you wanna try to be able to be musical all the time through through that processing. Um, so I think a variety of levels. I think having a, a folder full of lots of different music so that you and, and they can pick what's best for them. Um, before you commit to what you're gonna perform um, is really important. And then Elizabeth Green, the great conducting teacher, said um, the, the first rehearsal for the conductor is the, is the concert for them, is the performance for them. So I kind of mentioned that earlier. When you go to that first rehearsal, you need to be prepared like it's your performance, like you know that music really well so that you, um, you can pull the most out of it and make the most of your rehearsal time as you decide what you're going to eventually program. Because it's a lot about the process in the public school too of, of what you do when you sight read all the way to that concert and all the stuff in between is really important learning about music. The concert's sort of the icing on the cake, the, the fun part.
0: Fast forward to the midpoint of their concert cycle. We check back in with the directors to see how things are going. Here, we'll hear them talk about how the rehearsal process is moving, points in the process that have been rewarding for either them or their students, any concert preparations they have started, and anything they do outside of class to prepare.
3: Uh, everything's going really well. Um, we had our all-state conference performance a couple weeks ago and that went really, really well. Uh, now we're preparing for a, a concert band festival that we're performing at in Cincinnati next weekend. Um, you know, the the state conference performance went pretty well. I was pretty happy with how those things went, with those that performance went. Um, after our state conference performance, we wanted to, to change some of the literature um, going into this concert band festival that we're doing in Cincinnati. So that was a really short performance cycle. Um, and I misjudged a little bit the difficulty. Um, so we kind of started on a piece and worked on it for about a week and a half, two weeks before I kind of decided it wasn't going to come together uh, quick enough. And so we kind of changed. Even it was about last uh, this time last week, a week ago, we changed pieces, which really puts crunch time in. So I think it's just uh, I wasn't expecting maybe the small little letdown we had after that conference performance. And uh, that caught me off guard. So. Not really, um uh, maybe in some ways in some ways the uh the other the other way around where there' are some some things that I thought were going to be easier and ended up being a little bit more difficult the the opening of simple gifts, which doesn't look very hard um which is the fourth movement of the the simple gifts that it doesn't look very hard but it it's taken on quite a bit of work to get it to come together um with the various entrances and the independence that it requires um well, I think I think it's probably the same for for both the students and for for myself. Is is the the music's just it's good music and it's fun music to play, um, and it's really tuneful music. And it's I think because it's folk music. This is the tequila I'm speaking of, because because it's folk music. It's it really resonates with the kids, and I, I do think that they really like it. And so that's it's been really fun to prepare. It's been really fun to put together. Um, and that's been the most rewarding part is 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 hearing them express themselves on these these great pieces of music um well for this since we're performing out of state there's been a lot of uh of of trip planning and and that type of thing making sure we get the right hotel reservations set up and um we we have a, a clinic with michael Coburn at butler on our way to the conference and so getting that set up and plus some fun social stuff um so just just kind of that type of stuff. Nothing too extraordinary or special in that regard. Well, since since we're recording this stuff for our Midwest application and our Superstate application, it's it's been quite a bit of time outside of outside of school. Um, I'm recording every single rehearsal, and then at night I'm going home and listening to those recordings and making lists of everything. Um, we need to, uh, to fix. And I, I type up those lists and I give them to the kids. And sometimes they're just kind of a checklist for myself in terms of how we're going to prepare. So really, if I'm just listening to the rehearsal and, and, and jotting down notes as I do it, it's anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. If I'm making a detailed list, it could be a couple hours. It just kind of depends on the night, how tired I am. Um, once my own kids go to bed, and uh, and how much time I have, but it's it's every night, and it's listening to those recordings, and and really trying to to clean and polish as best we can. Um, and in order to do that, I've got to come in really prepared.
1: Things
5: are going very well. Um... a a good rehearsal yesterday. I always feel that this because this group rehearses on Tuesday and Thursday that rehearsals seem to be better on Thursday because it's less time since the last time we saw each other and there are there are still some things and one thing that surprises me still a little bit is that we'll accomplish something on Thursday and then it sort of doesn't stick on Tuesday. And this group is at the level where it should stick. So I'm working on that. I'm working on trying to figure out how I can Help that happen. I think part of it is, you know, some individual practice. And so at this point in the concert cycle, I'm on them a little bit. I was not as nice yesterday as I usually am. I don't I don't believe in ever being mean to anybody or you know making people nervous or in rehearsals, and i'm I'm not nasty. but when there was a wrong note or two or three at this point in the rehearsal yesterday, I let them know. it's not acceptable, go practice, don't come back like that. you know, that kind of stuff. So, there was a little bit of that yesterday. But, yes, things are going well. My goal, because of the way the cycle is, and I'm going to miss a rehearsal close to the performance due to the Wynn Symphony's performance in Arizona, um, is to, by next Tuesday, be ready for the concert. And then they'll have Thursday to do sectionals on their own, and then we'll have a, one more rehearsal and a dress rehearsal. So that's kind of how I'm pacing things right now. We know we're doing this chamber piece, and um, that's especially hard harder, I think, it's harder for them than I thought it would be. I thought we'd have more opportunity for them to shape and participate and like shape phrases and be part of the, the process. Um, and I'm still you know having to teach wrong notes or, or um, fix things. And I think it's it's partly that this might be the first fairly difficult chamber piece some of those folks have played. So it's good for them. I think it's great learning and um, you know, we're gonna keep working on it. Um, but it reminds me that I need to give them more opportunities like that. You know, they need to, they need to have more chamber music chances. And so, so I think if there's a, a thing that m- is, um, more difficult or harder than I thought would be, are those sort of solely spots or solo spots where the, the texture's thin or they're playing in a little chamber thing, um, and just building confidence of this is okay. And then that's hard when I, then, you know, I get mad at them when they play a wrong note, but you know, that's part of practice that should happen outside the outside the rehearsal hall the practice you go into rehearsal prepared that day for what you want to accomplish and what you might want to accomplish sounds better than you thought it would and you move on to something else I mean there's always more to to work on to make sound better to shape the phrase more beautifully you know it's so I guess I don't really think about well that was easier than I thought then there's always something else to do so I guess I don't really know notice that necessarily I mean, I suppose the question about rewarding for the students, you would almost have to ask them. I mean, I sense that they like this music. Um, I had a student yesterday ask if he could conduct one of the pieces we're doing because he just loves the piece so much. And it's the piece with video. Um, and he just thinks it's really cool and sounds great, and he wanted to try, try it out. I, and I said no. Um, and I only said no because I personally need the practice with timing the music to the video um, before the concert. So I said, you know, if there's time at the end of the semester, sure, we can revisit that. So, and, and I think that's rewarding for me too, to know that a student is, you know, particularly fond of a certain piece we're doing. And um, I've heard a student after rehearsal say, oh, I love this music. You know, that, that always makes me feel good. Um, and it's always rewarding for me when, when it's clear in rehearsal that we did something together and they know it sounds better and they're proud of that that's like that's why you do this um and that's happening you know continuously. so that that's that's really great so um i guess that answers it you know the rewarding part is that the they know they're sounding better and um the ensemble's gelling better and um and we're enjoying that process So the concert program is already done. You know, we've, the main proof is already done. And then, um, you know, it's sent over to be copied. But I I think one of the things that is maybe, and so that's done, the the hall has already been booked a long time ago. um, And then there's paperwork that goes on behind the scenes that grad students fill out to say, this is the stuff we need in the hall that night. And we book the hall for the dress rehearsal in the hall. So I think what's maybe important to talk about in this part of the cycle is sort of to me, there are three parts in any concert cycle. So at the very beginning part, when we, when we talked the last time at the beginning of the, of the cycle, it's my goal to have students read all the music for that concert cycle, for me to highlight maybe some of the main themes and motives in each piece or the story behind the music or the inspiration for the composition. Um and we do that for the first rehearsal or two. And then, then to me, it's called the synthesis analysis synthesis part. So that was the synthesis. And then when we get in the middle of the concert cycle, there's more analysis going on or whole part whole, or, and, and I'm getting into the part where the, the, the analysis. So we're picking on things. I'm only working on 32 measures and maybe another, you know, 32 measures, and then we put it back together. But now I'm starting to pull back into the, okay, we're going to play through the music and get back into, you've worked really hard on all this stuff and the, the um, you know, the isolating of the stuff. Let's put it back into the whole and remember the pace of this whole movement and then the pace of that whole piece. And so... Um, we're, we're getting getting into the concert cycle of putting things back together into a larger whole. I do a couple things to make sure that I'm ready. You know, I, I pick all the music in the summer. So I, there's a lot of listening and, and preparing and spending time selecting programs in the summer. Some of that might get adjusted or amended a little bit each semester once the group is actually formed. And then before the first rehearsal, I think I mentioned this last time, I'm as prepared as I can be with knowing how I want the music to sound. And then there's sort of maintenance. So and I, I kind of do it in three different things. I do rehearsal planning, which takes time just looking through the scores, knowing what I've got to work on next, where we haven't gotten to that part for a while, or i got to put that back together. Um, actual conducting practice. So I'll be sitting here, I'll wait, you know, that meter and that change or how I want that to look. Um, and then there's still score study going on. You know, wait, what core is it over there? Why are they struggling with that that harmony? Why are they struggling with that pitch? Um, Or those pitches, you know, so they're still trying to figure out those three aspects for me. And so that takes time. I also make sure that before every rehearsal day, um, our rehearsals are one to three, Tuesday, Thursday, and I usually by 11 a.m., like I'm not answering email. I'm trying to just look at the music and prepare myself for what's on the rehearsal schedule that day, and some the night before too. But, but you know that that's sort of my time to get in in the rehearsal um, mode or or mood. And I suppose when you asked me about something that was particularly difficult, I will I would say that um, the LRB piece. Um, he's the composer. Um, wrote a piece called Paris Sketches, and it's tuneful. But the harmonies are different and the phrase structure is different enough that that's a little bit challenging for them. And maybe more so than I thought it would be.
0: Once again, we fast forward in the concert cycle. Here we are checking in with the directors a little before or on the day of the concert. Here we'll hear them discuss their favorite parts of the cycle, what they're excited to perform, what the day of the concert looks like from their perspective, and what they consider a
3: success for the performance. Uh, everything's going great. Well, I think, and I may have mentioned this last time, the the T'Kali Simple Gifts is one of my favorite pieces of all time. So just having a chance to work on that with the kids and the challenges that the challenges that that piece presents, especially musically, are just kind of they're a lot of fun to tackle. Um, and so that that's really been the most fun is is working with that piece and preparing that piece with the kids and tackling some of those musical challenges with them. I think for, the, for us, it's kind of two, twofold. Um, the fact that we had this performance um, in Peoria at the Allstate Conference um, meant that we were playing some of, the, some of the music for a very long time, um, going back to really starting at kind of end of October, um, which is a much longer performance preparation cycle than we're, than we're used to. And I think keeping the kids interested, particularly on the March, um, we actually put it away for a little bit. Um, just because I could start to feel that they're they're kind of done with it, um, but keeping them interested on on the stuff that we spent a long long time on was was certainly a challenge. But also, conversely, right after the performance, we added a lot of music. We added we added two movements of Simple Gifts, and we added a a, a third piece, Ancient Dialogue by Patrick Burns. And I don't even know if I had selected that piece last time we had talked. Um, so we were frantically trying to learn those in three weeks, which was a very short preparation cycle. So we kind of had this mix of frantically tr- chasing down notes for the new repertoire while at the same time trying to stay engaged and interested in the old stuff. That was, that was probably our biggest challenge. Uh, without a doubt, simple gifts. The kids sound great on it. They've been working really hard. Um, and, uh, and I know they're going to play it really, really well. Um, I I wouldn't say any of the pieces had an effect on me. I I really liked liked those pieces a lot, and which was part of the reason I chose them. Uh, maybe a little bit of the first movement of the Teclé. It's really sparse. It's really exposed. It's kind of slowish, and I don't know if the kids really loved it that much at the beginning. Um, but they they I don't know if they love it now, but they certainly play it like they love it. Well, in, in terms of the final rehearsal, I really try to focus on those items that will make the biggest amount of difference for that next day. So usually we're talking about more general stuff than specific stuff. Um, um, and in this case, a lot of it had to do with phrasing in the third movement of the Tchaikovsky and, and trying to get the, the phrases the way we wanted it to be. Um, a couple more runs of the fourth movement. There's a couple tricky spots um, and just giving the the kids a, a few more chances to, to get some reps in uh, before the performance. I wasn't worried about it per se, um, but I, I knew if there was going to be an issue, it would be in those spots. We just gave them a, a couple reps, but um, usually, usually right before a concert, if we're, if we're still chasing stuff, I know we're, we're kind of in trouble. Um so so hopefully by then most most cases the the kids have it pretty well under their fingers they know what our goals are and it's just uh trying to get everybody in the right mental space to perform their best. Um so I I talk I guess I talk a little bit um uh, just to maybe introduce the pieces. I I really don't, uh, don't do too much more than that. I, I I don't feel like our audiences at least aren't there to hear me talk. They're here to hear the kids play. Um, so, so mostly I just, uh, I'll, I'll introduce the pieces, you know, tell them all the good things that the kids are doing, what they're working on, what's next. Um, but for the most, for the most part, it's just the kids playing. Um, uh, if, if we have something that a parent needs to promote, such as one of our fundraisers or a shirt sale or something like that, they might make a quick announcement. But it's it's really, we, I really try to keep the, the talking to a minimum um, and try not to make the concert any longer than it needs to be. Um, so that, that's kind of how it is. We, we'll, we'll, you know, depending on where we're playing, we'll warm up either if we're if the concert's in our gym, we'll warm up in the gym just so the kids have a chance to adjust to the space a little bit. Um, and then uh, we start right on time, and we just go and see what happens. Well, it's funny because this is probably one of those areas that I'm really, really bad at because I don't do so well on the reflection of performance. I I do a lot of reflection on a rehearsal and going back to, to listen to recordings and revisit how that rehearsal went in order to help me prepare for the following rehearsals. But in terms of concerts... Usually once it's done, it's done. I push it out of my mind and we're already on to the next thing. And, um, a lot of times, a lot of times, especially if we're going to play that music again, um, as it was in this case, uh, I'll say to the kids, you know, this, the the, the performance tomorrow is not the ending. It's the beginning. It's just, we're going to take this performance and we're going to use it to get better. Um, and we're going to, we're going to build on it. And that's kind of, kind of how I approach it personally. I, I just kind of move on and and don't really think about it too much. All right.
0: So how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So tonight's the big concert. Tonight is the concert. Yeah. So how are you feeling about the concert tonight regarding repertoire?
5: I'm, I feel great about it. I feel like um, they're well prepared. And if all of us keep our minds in the game, it's going to be a great concert. Um, what was your favorite part of this concert cycle? Um Musically? Yeah, you musically mean, rehearsing. Yeah, um, I think one of the pieces in particular that grew on me. Um, I liked it when I when I selected it, which is why I selected it. Is the um, the Mar Imagine, if you will, um, that piece. And I, it's just a beautiful piece. And the more we play it, the more I enjoy it. Um, it's an interesting piece to me because there are sort of several different sections, um, but each section is lovely and wonderful and has something new and interesting. Uh, in it that I've enjoyed and I think the kids do too. I don't know if it's difficult. I'm a little nervous about the Seeds of Glass piece, the Ben Taylor piece. It's a great piece and a really cool idea. I get nervous that if I get a little bit off on where the video is, it could be, that's all I can think about is the video and me linking the band to the video. And so that's a little stressful, but I have practiced and practiced and practiced. And so I think it'll be fine. But yeah, there's always that, you know, "Ah, what if in the moment something happens? Probably the first one, um, or maybe the Seeds of Glass, the 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 one I really like, and the one that I also like, but I'm a little bit nervous about. My sense is they like the repertoire, and I hear them talking about, oh, I like this or I like that. Um, you know, I don't I don't know I don't really ask them if they like things, um, and they play like they like it. Um, so I, I know some of them really enjoy working with the video because that's different. I know some of the students who are in the chamber group are doing a 13 piece chamber um, chamber ensemble with. Uh, Gordon Jacobs old wine and new bottles and um, I have asked those folks how things are going just in terms of their practice and their preparation and um, a couple of them so this is the favorite part of their week is working on chamber music you know because they just don't get to do that as much as they'd like to so um, so maybe that's the answer too is that for some of those kids that chamber piece is very exciting. I usually the day of the concert go through all the music and conduct through it and make some notes. I've already done that this morning. So I have a plan for rehearsal to sort of final check things that I want to make sure we can check in the hall for balance. Um, and just make sure it's, you know, the, the, the more challenging aspects of a piece are on their minds and in their fingers today. Um, so I don't do much prep differently the night before, but, um, I try to get a good night's sleep and. Um, like I said, during the, the day of the concert, I try to go through all the music, so I am completely prepared. Um, I don't make dinner for the family. It's my night off on the concert days, and I'm focusing on the music. And I usually go to Panera and buy myself a you U-Pick 2 and eat half of it at lunch and the other half right before the concert because I don't like to eat that much. But I feel like I need to eat something. So Panera is my, my game day go-to food item. You know, certainly, I hope in every rehearsal there's a musical experience and a wonderful moment or two or three, and then I hope we get to to capture that in the concert and. Um you know, I think a lot of people put stock in that concert, and and I do too. I want it to be great for the students. But I think the process is equally, if not more important than than that concert. It's everything we've learned and everything we've experienced together as an ensemble um, going into that performance. And, you know, the music, the variety of music, the listening, the um, practicing, the rehearsing, the articulation, all the, the details of the music um, in, that, in the concert cycle, I think, are really important. And as I think I said in the first interview, I try to build... The repertoire throughout the year so that we keep adding more challenge to the music and for the players as the year goes on. So, you know, we're kind of getting to the the peak of that in in the second semester now.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Since you're already here, please rate the podcast on iTunes or like or leave a comment on the post on our website. If you enjoyed the episode, spread the word by sharing the show through Facebook, helping more people listen to and enjoy the podcast. Please consider following us on iTunes to make sure you don't miss anything if you enjoyed today's show. If you want to stay current with Illinois Bands between episodes, follow us on Facebook, join us on Instagram at Illinois underscore Bands, or find us on Twitter at Illinois Bands. You can always check out our website for more information, www.bands.illinois.edu.